Welcome to the Misty Bloom Book Club. Hi guys, this is Ada. I hope you're taking good care of yourself and doing well. So welcome members of the Misty Bloom Book Club to your first bonus episode. You guys make it possible for me to keep this podcast alive, so thank you and enjoy. You deserve this. By the way, bonus episodes are ad-free because you guys already make the episode possible with your sponsorship, so thank you again. Thank you. So far this season, we've made pit stops in inner city America, northern Nigeria, South Africa, and you guys, I thought, you know what, let's escape the world entirely for a little while. There's a pandemic ravaging the world, so we deserve this escape. So in this bonus episode, as you know, I'm going to be reviewing Circe by Madeline Miller. And because you guys are members, it'll be even more fun to do this review because you have the reading list and have probably already read Circe. So I'll start with an outline of this novel. Circe is Madeline Miller's retelling of the story of this Greek goddess. I'd never heard of this particular goddess, perhaps because she is considered a lesser goddess with minor powers, so she's kind of super low on the totem pole of gods. But it was kind of a good thing for me, because since I'd never heard of Circe, I was able to approach the novel with a blank slate, because I had no preconceived notions or feelings about this particular goddess. In any case, the story is really about Circe coming into her own and carving a place for herself and seeking power, actually, in a world where she's supposed to be powerless. So let's talk about what I liked about Circe by Madeline Miller. I loved the book cover. It's beautiful. That black and gold is magic. No pun intended. (laughs) It was such a pleasure to photograph it for Instagram. Check it out on my Instagram at Misty Bloom Book Club. I remember the first time I saw the book was in Target and I just had to pick it up. It's such an arresting cover. Whoever the artist is did a fantastic job. I'd never heard of or read Madeline Miller. So kudos to the artist for grabbing my attention with such a great cover. Um, So moving on from the aesthetics, I thought Madeline Miller's writing itself was gorgeous. The writing style and choice fit the tone and scale of what the story is. For me, it really matched the spirit and character of a story about ancient Greek gods. The writing was kind of old-worldy, classical, lofty in style, without falling off the edge into biblical or Shakespearean-style writing. Do you guys agree? Madeline Miller, to me, walked so close to that the thou line without stepping over it not even once so well done to her for capturing the divine mood with the choice of writing style and not overdoing it and maintaining that perfect balance but the best part for me about Madeline Miller's writing was how intensely visual it was I loved it. I could see everyone and everything here's a description of Helios's palace My father's halls were dark and silent, 
his palace was a neighbor to Oceanos's buried in the earth's rock, and its walls were made of polished obsidian. Why not? They could have been anything in the world. Blood-red marble from Egypt, or balsam from Araby. My father had only to wish it so, but he liked the way the obsidian reflected his light, the way its slick surfaces caught fire as he passed. Of course, he did not consider how black it would be when he was gone. My father has never been able to imagine the world without himself in it. So good. Here's another describing Circe's home. On the hilltop before me was a house, white-porched, its walls built from finely fitted stone, its doors carved twice the height of a man. A little below stretched the hem of forest, and beyond that, a glimpse of the sea. Like, you can totally envision this home, right? Or how about this one of Pasiphae and Minos's palace in Crete? The palace was like a hive indeed, each hall leading to an ornate chamber, and each chamber to another hall. Windows were cut in the walls to let in thick squares of golden sun. Intricate murals unrolled themselves on every side. Dolphins and laughing women, boys gathering flowers and deep-chested bulls tossing their horns. Outside in tiled pavilions, silver fountains ran, and servants hurried among columns reddened with hematite. Over every doorway hung a labrys, the double axe of Minos. I'm on a roll reading these beautiful turns of phrases, <laughs> so I'll beat you over the head with just one more. I remembered how my father had once told me that on earth there were men called astronomers whose task it was to keep track of his rising and setting. They were held in highest esteem among mortals, kept in palaces as counselors of kings. But sometimes my father lingered over one thing or another and threw their calculations into despair. Then those astronomers were hauled before the kings they served and killed as frauds. My father had smiled when he told me. It was what they deserved, he said. Helios, the son, was bound to know well but his own, and none might say what he would do. How freaking awesome is that passage? But anyway, beyond the sheer vividness of Madeline Miller's prose, I also love that there was profundity in her prose. I came away with a fresh perspective of the human experience. That's one of my most absolute favorite things to get out of fiction, is for the author to dispense some wisdom. <laughs> and I consider wisdom to be a step above, you know, insightful observations on the human condition, which we see a lot of even in the best fiction or memoirs. David Sedaris, for instance, does the keen observation thing so well. But the wisdom I reference is at a deeper level. It's one that's nurtured through ruminating on matters of life and death. And that is something that you can't learn in any fiction writing workshop or program. You can't force it even if you tried. It's a gift. You know, personally, I often wish I'd written my first novel earlier. But now, I can't imagine what a novel in my 20s would have been. I hadn't lived enough life to write about someone else's life. You know what I mean? In any case, here are some examples of Madeline Miller's wisdom I'm talking about. I watched her dance, arms curving like wings, her strong young legs in love with their own motion. This was how mortals found fame, I thought, through practice and diligence, tending their skills like gardens until they glowed beneath the sun. But gods are born of ichor and nectar, their excellences already bursting from their fingertips. So they find their fame by proving what they can mar, destroying cities, starting wars, breeding plagues and monsters. Wow. Here's another food for thought. 
Will you tell me, what is a mortal like? It was a child's question, but he nodded gravely. There is no single answer. They are each different. The only thing they share is death. You know the word? I know what I said, but I do not understand. No god can. Their bodies crumble and pass into earth. Their souls turn to cold smoke and fly to the underworld. There they eat nothing and drink nothing and feel no warmth. Everything they reach for slips from their grasp. A chill shivered across my skin. How do they bear it as best as they can? So good. I mean, when I read that paragraph, I have to admit, I wish I'd written it. <laughs> I know I'm going a little bit overboard with this, but permit me one more example. Every moment mortals died, by shipwreck and sword, by wild beasts and wild men, by illness, neglect, and age, it was their fate, as Prometheus had told me, the story that they all shared. No matter how vivid they were in life, no matter how brilliant, no matter the wonders they made, they came to dust and smoke. Meanwhile, every petty and useless god would go on sucking down the bright air until the stars went dark. Dang. I'm so blown away by this. But anyway, back to the rest of the novel, Circe. Another aspect of the story I enjoyed was the immortal Circe contending with mortality. So according to the orthodoxy of the gods, children of gods and men in the book, even though considered demigods, are mortal. So Circe had an affair with Odysseus and birthed a mortal child, Telegonus. It was so comical and hilarious and so very well portrayed to see a goddess trying to manage a slow-growing, needy human baby. Something I'd never thought about before. Um, check out this passage. But what did I know of mortal babies? Aetes was an arms less than a month. Twenty cloths got me only through the first day. Thank the gods I did not have to sleep. Every minute, I must wash and boil and clean and scrub and put to soak. Yet, how could I do that, when every minute he also needed something? Food and change and sleep. That last I had always thought the most natural thing for mortals. Easy as breathing. Yet, he could not seem to do it. I thought it was so clever and wise of the author to explore divine motherhood. Um, so that's essentially what I loved about the novel, and I know I've been raving about it, so surprisingly, I did encounter many disappointments with the story, which I'll discuss right now. <laughs> Starting with the first thing that bothered the heck out of me the most, and it was that the final third of this novel was an outright mess. It was like Madeline Miller had run out of steam and just gave up. Super disappointing. For example, there was lots of telling and not showing, which is a cardinal rule of writing that Madeline Miller broke over and over and over again. For those who may not know what showing and telling is, I'll explain the difference between the two. Showing is a writing technique in which the writer tells a story by painting a picture or conveying a sensory experience to the reader. Telling, on the other hand, is when the writer simply provides information. For illustration, I'll make up examples for you. Showing his writing, for example, as I lay there blindfolded, a cold front seized me and goosebumps erupted all over my skin. The air was chilly with the presence of another, but I couldn't see who. Telling would be, as I lay there blindfolded, I was scared and could feel that someone else was in the room. See the difference, guys? One puts you in the experience, the other tells you about the experience. 
I'll tell you why I personally think it's important to show and not tell. So unlike other forms of art like music where you have the benefit of instruments, lyrics, vocals, etc. Or film where you have visuals, cinematography, a musical score, acting, the lines, all of it coming together. Or visual art or design, you have colors, movement, texture. With writing, all you literally have in your toolbox, unlike other kinds of artists, is the barest minimum. 26 letters of the alphabet. That's it. And it's with those 26 letters you create a full story, flesh out characters, whip up emotions, Motion, create an entire three-dimensional experience. So do the most you can with your 26 letters. But look, I'm all for breaking rules, right? And especially when it matters. But Madeline Miller did this so much, it actually hurt the quality of her story. It not only undermined the novel, in my opinion, but also unfortunately made me question the author's broad storytelling ability. Like, I'm not rushing out to read her next book because I don't want to be told stuff, I want to be shown. For example, in this novel, Madeline Miller tells us about the adventures of Hermes and Odysseus and Achilles. We are not shown these adventures. We are told that they happened in some detail through a secondary character. What was the point of this? Either don't tell us about them at all, or if you must, have the reader be immediate audience to the adventures. I thought this was dismally handled. This is especially frustrating when you think about the fact that some of these characters, Hermes and Odysseus, stayed on Circe's island and did nothing but eat and sleep with Circe, but then we're told about their adventures either in retrospect or from the retellings by other characters, but we are never able to go on these adventures in real time with these characters. It bothered me a lot that she got away with breaking this cardinal rule of writing. The later third of the novel was a lot of telling. It was horrendous. It was amateur. I don't understand how or why any editor let Madeline Miller get away with this. I don't get it. Also closely related to this telling problem is that we don't get to know much about the other interesting gods like Apollo, Hermes, Athena, or Zeus that the author brings up quite often in the novel. Also we get to meet Prometheus briefly early on in the novel and it appears like he has a very significant role to play in the story, but then he disappears like he never even happened. So in retrospect, the scene where Circe meets Prometheus becomes purely nonsensical. Also, the nymphs who go to live with Circe do not even get names or personalities. It was like Circe was running a boarding school for wayward, nameless, and faceless girls, which turned into a brothel with nameless, faceless prostitutes. Most of the characters populating this novel lacked depth. They were just superficial character sketches lacking nuance, three-dimensionality, or heft. It was ridiculous. Another aspect to Madeline Miller's inability to fully form characters is how she obviously kept a roster of major Greek gods and characters and had them make appearances throughout the book but do nothing. Like, literally nothing. They're just sitting on the page. It was sad. Kind of like a revolving door of characters that the reader never gets to engage with in any true authentic way except for them showing up. It read like the author was taking attendance in school. Apollo, present. Medea and Jason, present. Helios, present. Zeus, I'm here. Achilles, present. Paris and Helen of Troy, present. Agamemnon, I'm here. Minotaur appears for a second and disappears. Athena, the great goddess, actually shows up in the novel and does nothing, literally nothing, makes an empty threat and disappears. Like we never see her again until later with more inconsequential threats. I mean, 
Cyrus's encounter with the god of death, the one that lives in the ocean, was laughable. The only character of significance that happened to cross paths with Cyrus and had something of a storyline was Daedalus. But even he was denied a significant plot because all he did was be a carpenter, sail Cyrus to her sister, Pasiphae, have sex with Cyrus, and then die. <laughs> it was so cringy and lame. Finally, I was disappointed that except for describing Cyrus's mothering of a human child, the novel overall failed miserably at exploring that inevitable tension between mortals and immortals. Men in this novel didn't appear to feel any sort of deference to these gods who are described as having so much power and incredible might. But they all interacted with each other very ordinarily, as if they were all at a sports game. It was bizarre. It stuck out like a nail, and I couldn't overlook it. Humans would engage differently with creatures who had power over some part of creation and thus over them, and vice versa. That bugged me. <laughs> so that's it with what I didn't care for about Source by Madeline Miller. Um, so now I'm going to guess what Madeline Miller is like in real life. Um, she came across to me as someone raised in the suburbs of a major city, friendly and polite. She also came across as serious and close-lipped and keeps things close to her vest. If you know Madeline Miller, let me know if I pegged her correctly or totally bungled it. <laughs> Final thought is that I would describe Cyrus by Madeline Miller as a borderline acquired taste. I know this novel is a popular bestseller, but I suspect it's popular with folks who love the classics, mythology, legends about gods, because otherwise, if this was a story of regular smegular people written with the flaws that I mentioned this novel has, it would be a dud. The novelty of gods is what keeps this novel from devolving into a disaster of a story. I think I'd give Madeline Miller's work another try, but I'm in no particular rush to read her next book. I do think Madeline Miller has the capacity for greatness, and if she overcomes the character portrayal and telling issues I mentioned before, she can and will achieve greatness. So that's it with this bonus episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you again for your very generous support. Let me know what you think of Circe by Madeline Miller or the episode or if there are any books or topics or whatever else you'd like me to discuss. Let's talk about it on social media at Misty Bloom Book Club on Instagram and Facebook and MB Book Club on Twitter. Until next time, keep reading, stay lit, peace and love. Labrys, 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 Labrys.